I want to talk to you today and for the next couple of weeks about taking the limits off of God. And what I want to do is I want us to have a better picture of what our God really can do today. You see, because I know that you and I, we, we read our Bibles, I know that. And we see all these great stories in the Bible, stories from the Old Testament like the story of the parting of the Red Sea or the manna and the quail where God fed the children of Israel with manna and quail every day for 40 years. We see these amazing stories from the New Testament talking about where Jesus walked on water and calmed the sea and raised the dead and casted out demons and cleansed the lepers and fed the thousands on a few loaves and a couple of fish. And we read these stories and we're amazed about how powerful our God really is. And then we close our Bibles and we go back to our sometimes, most of the time, powerless lives. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about how we can take those limits that we have placed on God off of God and see God move in our lives in a more powerful way. Recently, I needed some batteries. We're always going through batteries here. We have a stash of batteries here in church always because we need them. We use them all the time. But this one day there, back at the start of this year, we ran out of batteries in one of our remote controls for our televisions. And we couldn't find them anywhere. These were AAA batteries. So I went rooting through some drawers, and eventually at the back of one of these drawers that I was rooting in, I found this pack of Duracell AAA batteries. And I thought to myself, great, we're sorted. Until I turned over the back of the pack of the batteries and seen that their expiry date was January 2009 or 2009. And I thought, poop, these are no good. What? These are useless. They're, they're 11 years out of date. But you know me. I tried them anyway. And you know what? They worked. Fantastic. And they're still working today, which is great. 11 years after they expired. Sitting in that desk of mine for the last 15 years. And you know, in all of those 15 years, these unused batteries, they still contained potential. They still contained power, but it was unused potential. It was unused power for all of these 15 years or so until that day that I needed them. And I put them into something that needed them and powered up these batteries, used the potential that was in these unused batteries. You see, what I'm saying to you today is our God contains power. He is a powerful God that can be used in your life and in my life to bring about a change in our circumstances, to bring about a change in our direction. Psalms chapter 40 and verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy, miry pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. You see, God has so much for you, so much for me, but we don't allow Him. We, we, we stop His greatness being manifested in our lives. God wants to do great things in your life, great things in my life, but we've got to believe that He can do these things. You know, even Jesus Himself, this was nothing new for Him. Even in His day, Jesus experienced this lack of demand on his abilities. Over in Mark chapter 6, 
we see that Jesus went to his own hometown on one Sabbath. And he stood up in the synagogue, as he had done in all of the other towns that he'd visited. And he taught the people in the synagogue. And as he had done in every other town that he had been in before, what he would do after that is he would heal people. He would deliver people. He would set people free. In these other towns, they brought all of these people to him and, and they gleaned from his power. They drew from his power. When he left those towns, I don't believe that there was one person in any other town that Jesus visited. I don't believe there was one person who was still sick, needed cleansing or needing setting free. So here in his own hometown, prepared to do what he had done in all of those other towns on the way, to heal, to set free, to raise the dead. Whatever demand that people put on him, Jesus was ready to meet that demand. Only this day, in his own hometown, after he had taught them, their response was a bit different than was in the other towns. Mark chapter 6, it says in verse 1, it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who were there, when they heard him, they were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? So when I read that, you know, it automatically sets off for me this, this the understanding that they obviously knew who Jesus was. His reputation had preceded him. But instead of tapping into the power that they knew he had, they started to forensically dissect his credentials and even started to look into his family history. Verse 3 says, They said, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and, and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us and it says that because they knew who he was and they knew who his family was his brothers and sisters and, and how someone probably from the back shouted out yeah he made my table and chairs last year it says because they knew who he was the second part of verse 3 says it said they took offense at him verse 4 says jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, in his own home. And it says, and this is the sad thing, it says he could do, it says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. You know, this was the same Jesus that had just come from a village by the name of Maagan, where there was such power coming out from him that a woman who had an issue of blood for many years, who had been to all of these doctors, this woman knew that there's such power in Jesus that she crawled through people, crawled on the dirt to peop through, through people to get to Jesus, to just touch the hem of his powerful garment. And she was completely healed. Such power was coming out of Jesus. This is the same town where Jairus came to Jesus and asked him to go and heal his daughter, which he thought was healing, which ended up being 
are raising from the dead. Such was the power in Jesus. So now, this same power-dripping Jesus comes home to his own hometown with an expectation in him and an ability within him to do the same thing to everybody in his own hometown as he had done in all of these other towns on the way. To heal the sick, to cleanse the demon, to raise the dead, to set people free. And the Bible says that he couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. The difference between every other town and Jesus' own hometown was that they limited the power that Jesus had, his ability to help them because they could not accept this supernatural power of God. You know, God won't force healing on you. God won't force freedom in your life. He won't do it. God will not do that. He makes it available to us. But we need to tap into it. You have the greatest power in the universe at your fingertips. But we don't tap into it. That's why we don't see the benefit of it in our lives. It's like living in a a luxury, brand new built house. A million euro house. And you have the keys for it. It's yours. And you go into it and it's got everything in it. I mean, it's got... Widescreen TV, great sound system. It's got great security system. I mean, the kitchen itself is probably worth thirty or forty thousand euros. I mean, it's got an amazing refrigerator in it. All of the mod cons. It's got everything, but you go around with a candle in it because you refuse to accept the power flowing through that house called electricity. I mean, I say that and you think ah, that's stupid. No one will do that. But yet we serve a powerful God and yet we don't tap into the power that God has available for us. You know, I like my car. I've got my car a good few years now at this stage and I like it, I really do. I've got it three years. I'm really fond of my car. I like it so much because it's a special edition car. It's got a lot of extras in it that don't come just in your standard car. Some of the extras that my car have, well, what I really like, and you know me, I love radio, so it's got an amazing radio in it. The sound out of the speakers is fantastic. The radio itself is completely touchscreen, and it's got everything that I would like and love on it. It's also got a sat-nav built into the radio, which is great too, but you know I know everywhere I go, so I don't use that. But I know it's there in case there was ever a time that I'd need it, which I won't because I always know where I'm going, or at least that's what I say. But it's there. I really like it. It's also got a heated steering wheel, which is fantastic on the really cold, frosty mornings. This heated steering wheel, you just turn on the little button there and the steering wheel heats up in your hands so you don't have to drive to work or wherever you're going with freezing cold hands stuck to the steering wheel. It's got heated seats, which is fantastic. I don't use them, but it's there. Fantastic. Angela and the two girls, they love the heated seats. I mean, it's June and they still put the heated seats on sometimes when they get into the car. I don't use them, but they're there. It's great. It's fantastic. I love it. I like my car. I love all the extra features that my car had. And I thought that I knew all the extra features that my car has. Until maybe about a year ago, I was driving from here to Wexford, and as I was driving to Wexford, uh, I, I was fiddling. You know, men can understand this. Women don't fiddle as much as men do, but men fiddle. They always fiddle. They're always doing something. So I, w- I was fiddling as I was driving to Wexford, and, and, and I was driving, as you do, with your hands on the steering wheel, and, 
and I was playing with the, the indicator stick. And, you know, I was just twisting it one way and twisting it another way. And I was just kind of, you know, investigating to see if there was something that it did or change the dials or change the screen on the, on the dashboard or whatever. And, and as I twisted it one way, all of a sudden the car took off on its own. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? And I, immediately I put my foot on the brake and slowed the car down. I was kind of like, okay, that was strange. What was that all about? And I left it so for probably another two months. And two months later, I was in the same position again. I was heading on the same stretch of road again. And I thought, I wonder what that was. I'm going to try that to see what that was again. So as I drove down this same stretch of road, no cars around me, I said, okay, I'm going to twist this thing on the, on the indicator stick again and see what happens. And, and I did. I twisted it. Again, the car kind of took off on its own. And, and I led it this time because there was no cars in front of me. It wasn't dangerous. So, And... I realized, this great mind of mind, the way it works, I realized that, hang on, this is cruise control. And you know the way you sometimes are, you're a little bit slow when you don't know something is there, and, and I realized it's cruise control. And, and I could take my foot off of the accelerator and just steer the car, and it, it stayed at 80 kilometers an hour because that's the speed limit there, and I always drive in the speed limit, as you know. And the car cruised on down along the road, and all I was doing was just steering. It was amazing. But you know what I realized afterwards? Is that my car at that stage was four years old, and I had it maybe two years at that time. And I realized that this cruise control had been on my car from the day that somebody in the factory put it in there. It was in my car when it left the factory, it was in my car when it was sold in the garage, and it was in my car when I bought it. I realized that the cruise control didn't just appear in my car the day I realized it was there. It was there all along. I just didn't know it was there. And my, not, my lack of knowledge of this cruise control led me to not enjoy the benefits of the cruise control until the day I discovered the cruise control. What I'm trying to say in all of that mix-up is we need to discover the things that God has for us in life. Because if we don't discover them, we will never walk in the benefits there of them. You see, if you don't know what power you have available to you, you will never use it nor enjoy the benefits of it. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold... You have made the heavens and the earth by your great strength and outstretched arms. There is nothing too difficult for you. You know, church, I thank God that we serve a living God. I thank God that we serve a God who nothing is too difficult for, a creative God. A God that created the heavens and the earth by the words of His mouth. A God who created the universe so vast that even today with all of our telescopes, all of our technology, we can't even see a fraction of it, never mind travel there. We serve a huge God, a big God, a massive God. Is there anything, anything too difficult for him? Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says this, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible. But with God, uh, watch this, with God, all things are possible. 
where man's ability ends, God keeps going. What is impossible for man is easy for God. I think we need to let that nestle down into our spirits. I think we need to start to realize some of the things that we have in our lives that we think are impossible are easy for God. Some of the problems that we have, some of the issues that we have going on in our lives that, that we have already hung our hat on and said, that's impossible. To God, that's easy. Nothing is too difficult for God. Jeremiah 1 and verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. You know that Bible that's sitting in front of you today, the Bible on your phone or wherever you have it? That's full to the brim of promises from God. And God is ready and able and standing over each and every one of those promises ready to fulfill them for you and for me. We serve a God who is a God of His Word. He's not like me. He'll say he'll do something. He'll tell you, I'll do something or I'll be there. And I may, 90% of the time, but 10% of the time, I'll let you down. I'll completely forget. I won't deliberately maybe not do, but I'll forget. You know, that makes me unreliable. If I'm not reliable 100% of the time, then I can be classified as unreliable. But our God is 100% reliable. If He said it in His Word, then He stands over it to watch over it, to perform it for you and for me. I want to live a life that is full of the promises of God and not a life that is lacking God's blessing for me because I've limited His power. Psalm 78, it says there in verse 40, it says, How often they provoked Him in the wilderness and grieved Him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. The children of Israel limited what God could do for them because they had one eye on the provisions of Egypt. And sometimes you and I are guilty of that too. We can limit the power of God and the blessing that God wants in our lives, I think at least three ways. You may can think of more than three ways, and that's good. Here's three ways I think we can do it. The first one is, we don't know about them. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge will cause you not to walk in, like me with the cruise control in the car, lack of knowledge will cause you not to enjoy the benefits of something that God has for you. Second thing is, we don't believe Him. So many people, even though they're believers, and even though they love God, they read some of the promises that God has in His Word, and, and they're like, oh, well, I don't believe that's for today. I don't believe that's for me. And the third one is, wait for it, we don't believe that we deserve Him. Now, that might put your nose a little bit out of joint, and sometimes it puts my nose a little bit out of joint, but the fact of the matter is there's so many people out there still believe that we don't deserve to be blessed by God. We think because of the things I've done in the past or things that I'm doing right now that that disqualifies us from walking and receiving the fullness of what God has for us in our lives. How could God heal me after what I've done? How could God bless me living the way I 
live. Can I tell you something? That might be the greatest revelation that you'll hear this week. Jesus loves sinners. And he died for them. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus didn't come into into the world to save perfect people. He came to save people just like you, just like me. Imperfect people, sinners. In fact, Jesus went out of his way to befriend sinners. Luke 7 and verse 34, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In fact, one day Jesus went into Jericho, and as he was walking through this village, there was a huge crowd came out to see Jesus, to see who he was, and to maybe receive from him. The crowd was so much that in that city there was an outcast. Name Zacchaeus. He was the tax collector. He was the cheat. He, he, was, the, he was the outcast. He was the, the person that everyone avoided in that town. And he too wanted to see Jesus. But because the crowd was so thick, so big, and, and Zacchaeus was a small man, he ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed up into a tree because he so desired to see Jesus. Luke chapter 19, and it says there in verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. Now, we don't know who was in that crowd that day. We don't know what needs they had. We don't know what problems they had. We, we have no idea. But what we do know is that the one that the Word of God says that caught Jesus' eye was the outcast, the cheat, the sinner, the tax collector, hiding in the tree. And it says in verse 7, it says, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, he said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Don't ever put limits on what God can do for you just because you have faults or you're not perfect because Jesus came to save the sinner. And if that's you today, I've got a special message for you from Jesus himself. Acts chapter 2, verse 21, it says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? It means that if you're a sinner, and we all are, but you're not walking in a relationship with Jesus, if you have maybe walked with him in the past, in religion, or or heard about him in Sunday school, or heard about him 
as you grow up and know of the things of Jesus. But if, if you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life, if you've never called on his name, if you've never said, Jesus, save me. I mean, if I was hanging over a cliff and there was someone standing at the top of the cliff named Michael, and Michael was there ready, holding his hand out to me, I would cry out, Michael, save me. And that's where we find ourselves if we don't know Jesus. We find ourselves dangling on the edge of a life of blessing or a life of, of lostness. So the Word of God says to us today that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if you confess, or if you speak out of your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. It says that if you confess it, if you speak it out of your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and if you believe it in your heart, I mean, you're convinced of it. It says that you will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For whoever calls, again, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, God is not ignoring you. God has this amazing power that he released to you and I, and the name of that power was Jesus. But in order for us to walk in the fullness of that power, we need to call on the name of Jesus. It says, then we will be saved. So if that's you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, save me, then I want you to repeat this very simple prayer after me. And we believe what the Word of God says, that if you believe this prayer, if you believe it in your heart, confess it in your mouth, you will be saved. So pray this out after me. No matter where you are, if you're sitting in your car and listening to this on a podcast, if you're sitting in your sitting room at home watching this on YouTube, it doesn't matter. What I want you to do now is I want you to close your eyes. Fix your attention on God and pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you and live for you. Thank you, God, that you are near, that you never leave me. You will never forsake me. You are always with me. This life is not my own. Today, I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've made that decision today, if you've just prayed that prayer with us today, we believe that you got born again. We want you to contact us. You can send us an email at info at alivechurch.ie. If you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, you can send us a message from either YouTube or Facebook. But please, please, please get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Let me just close today in a prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.